calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey all you cuties, Zach here. It's been one bastard of a month, and you might be able to tell from my ragged voice that I've been sick quite a bit. Now, I mentioned this in the past, and I wanted to thank everybody for being so patient with all of this. I should also let you know that the episodes that you're about to hear contain some content that's going to be a little bit difficult to listen to. Things like family abuse, drug and alcohol abuse, and violence to those of us most vulnerable. If any of that sounds like too much for you, feel free to skip this content. However, I should let you know that even though it doesn't include the Fallow Crown, every episode in this is canon and part of the LUQ universe, though you may wish it wasn't. Trip, boy's sick again. Pascal's fine. T'other one. He's always sick. Well? Well what? Should you do something about that? What exactly am I supposed to do? Put a cool cloth on his head? Rub his feet? Put him out of his fucking misery? Give him some of that medicine from the Green Man. Can at least do that for him, can't you? With what money? Maybe with the money you've been spending on that old dwarf's gut rot. Or maybe the money you should be earning at the mill. I got choring to do. Fine. Mama? What? Mama, I got some money. I can get the medicine. So where'd you get that money? A couple weeks back, I did some choring for Mr. Forstner up the way, on account of Mrs. Forstner ain't around no more. And what exactly did you do for Mr. Forstner? Cleaning and cooking, Ma. Nothing special. Did you let him touch on you for that money, girl? What? No, Mama. Mr. Forstner ain't like that. He's just sad is all. You give me that money, girl. That's whoring money. And I won't have no daughter of mine taken to whoring to care for my family. Earnings your father's duty, you hear? Now get in there and look after your brother. Yes, Mama. Damp, rancid red earth, like chalk, drips sanguine between calloused fingers. Third harvest in three, yellow like a lord's piss. 
Pale stalks spread wilting fronds to catch the cold mountain sun. Tain't right, is it, Pa? Says your shadow. A tattered portrait of your misspent youth glares against the sun as though answers to mysteries, great and small, lurked between the rays. What does your eldest son look like? Pascal is a strong string bean. He wears just overalls, possibly a size or two too large for him. Skin sun-baked and dirty blonde hair down past his ears. But he's a strong boy, asks too many questions, but gets the job done. His homespun tunic is threadbare, mere months after its craft. No doubt the other boy's doing. If he can be called that. Too weak for the hunt, taken to women's work and can't even do that right. The thought of such an aptitude frays the taut threads of your fading patience. How you sired so soft and bruised a fruit from your family tree, you'll never know. You fixing to palaver with the green man again? Not unless necessity rises. Tales of sickness spread from the leeward side of the Black Peak. Weak harvests three years running. Knights sheltered along the march without compensation. Daughters defiled, lands reaved, sons conscripted, though never the ones you'd hope. The Marquess's decrees spill like poison down droughted rivers, and the Hillkin look to their sheriff, or the one who used to be, to ameliorate their woes. The sun beats down on your shoulders as you stand up, looking at your failing crop. There's not a cloud in the sky, though the weather is cold. You put your gloves back on and hear a shout from up the way. Hale Blythe approaches, thin, pasty human with long, wiry blonde hair and a kindly, if crooked, smile that wrinkles his eyes almost into non-existence. Howdy, Trip. How you doing? Brings you around these parts, Hale. Well, Scant McCutcheon down at the Rhapsody, he's, he's making a fuss. Apparently, the young Miss Maud Dad hasn't been in for, sounds like, about four or five shifts, and uh, he's starting to worry about her. I don't know about the details, but he's looking to trespass on the Forstner lands, and, well, you know how he gets. Boy, you get back to the house and tend to your mother. Hi, Pa. I, uh, pull a drawstring off my belt and, uh, grab a corn shuck and roll a quigley. Light it with a match on my boot. How bad is it, Hale? Uh, well, we got the boys out there trying to hold him back, but as far as I'm concerned, he's, he's probably going to make a problem if he, uh, if you don't stop it. God damn it. Ain't got enough to deal with here in this dirt pile, he say, kicking in a half-grown plant. Do I need to bring my toys? Well, unless you think it necessary. I'm getting to my toys. <laughs> Trip heads towards the farmhouse and then takes a hard left to the shed. And moving a wagon out of the way, there's a old black coat on a hook, long down past the knees. And when he picks it up, it jingles with the sound of chainmail. And, uh, on the chest, there's a bare spot in the shape of a star where something was ripped away some time ago. And hanging next to it is a couple of short blades. He straps them on. Adjusts his brown farmer's hat and tightens his belt. Well, see if we can get this tied up before sundown. Yeah, hopefully. It takes a little bit of time before you get to the village proper. It's a small thing. A two-horse town if you've ever seen one, though. In truth, you have many horses. A couple of ranchers up the way managed to keep you guys in pretty good pay, despite the fact that, frankly, nobody's been doing well. You see the Rhapsody, and outside are two men, handling a third. Please, describe yourself. Tallwater used to be a handsome 
hobgoblin back in the day. His skin, now brownish red, like an heirloom tomato. Fully shaved head to hide the thinning hairline. His skin is covered in random small scars that seem to increase in frequency the closer it gets to his fingertips. His mouth full of sharpened fangs have a few gaps in them, and long the right side of the corner of his mouth. The most noticeable scar, one that leaves a sinister grin. Brutar bust knuckle <laughs> is nine feet of burnout drunk in a four and a half foot package. <laughs> He's got a smile like a piano keyboard and hair the color of a fresh baked brick. I'm pretty satisfied with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scant McCutcheon is a portly man, strong, thick armed. He does good work. He's always been a trustworthy innkeeper, but he's also been known to be a little nosy. The two of you had been having, let's say, a liquid breakfast when he decided to take matters into his own hands, ranting and raving about Maudette Forstner. Now he's got in his hand a crossbow that he bought from up the way, and he seems about ready to do something about it. Uh, as we approach the scene, I'll kind of, under my voice, whisper to Hale, No surprise the Mark's coin ain't keeping the peace around here. Hales, it must be bad if they got T.W. out of this hole. Hey, T.W. Bruder, you boys doing all right? Oh, well, hey there, Sher- Trip? <laughs> we, uh, just there having a conversation with the innkeep, and, uh... This ain't no goddamn conversation anymore. I can't handle this. Oh, well... You can't handle it. I think there are a couple things that you can't handle these days. That crossbow being one of them. Boy, if you shoot that bolt, devil knows I'll throw it back at you. <laughs> Take it easy now, Slant. You get into it with Maud again? Goddamn's magistrate ain't doing nothing about it. What'd you expect? She ain't been in. Burton on a week now. I'm starting to worry about her. Ashley came in, saying his daughter's uh, uh, betrothed. <laughs> With who? I mean, every boy in town's been harping on for Maudette since they was youngsters. Ain't none of them got more than a handshake at the door. Ash says she, she's the luck of ladies from uh, out, out Mountain Way. I'll buy it for a second. He done something. You think you're going to find her in the bottom of a bottle in a quiver? I think I'm going to find him in the bottom of that goddamn celery gun. Now, I've been in a cellar or two in my life. Pulled things in and out of them. And I guarantee, should you go digging around where you're not wanted, that's not the only thing you'll find in the cellar. Ruth Gimmel chimes in, as she often does. Ashley ain't showed himself over at the, the sawmill in three days. He got a point. Both of them have never been sick in their whole lives. Well, it sounds like lots of folk are having these problems, and you're the only one holding a crossbow dealing with it. So why don't you put it down, and we can talk about how we're going to fix this, and I'll get back to work. Lord knows if we don't pull our weight this winter, we ain't going to make it to spring. Yeah, yeah, keep, keep your head down. Just worry about your crops. Y'all know how you've been treating that poor girl. How you've been treating your youngest, Sheriff. Ain't right? This blight, it's on all of us. Keeping a shameful tongue behind our teeth on secret foulness. Keeping it all from our kith and kin. This Blackwater, the sickness and leeward. The rabid curs what took old ham from me. We sown these seeds with every unspoken word. And now comes reap. You check on that girl, Cheryl, or I will. 
You got memory troubles there? Sorry, Trip. Ain't been no sheriff in this town in a while. Not like the magistrate showing his face. Yep. Word's been coming down for people missing all over. Struggling crops, sickness and confusion. Something's got to be done, that's for damn sure. But I'm too damn busy at my farm. You think my family can make it without me? You think you can make it without this town? They ain't going to be here long. Look into it. I'll brew a pot of coffee for when you get back. God damn it. Hey, Trip, you uh need an extra pair of hands there? Well, Bruder, been a minute since we kicked boots on the trail, but... Taz, Taz. Seeing as you're in a mood for fixing problems and I'm in a mood for not taking on more than I can carry, I could use an extra pack horse. With all this division going on, our elder still is, well, it's been held up. It's been a problem. This still's supposed to bring community together, not push them apart. And if I can have a hand in solving that and Mima and Peep all smile down on me from wherever the hell they ended up. They're still alive. (laughs) (laughs) The black water has not been a problem for brewing. Not necessarily. There's nothing wrong with the taste. There's nothing wrong with its chemical composition. It doesn't impede the yeast growth. It doesn't impede the alcohol development. But it tastes wrong when you're done. Always does. And over here at the Rhapsody, more often than not, night ends with a bar fight. I ain't seen you in a hair's age, T.W. How you been holding up? Doing just fine. Well, nah, I'm lying. Yeah, you are. Whole bunch of problems. Can't fix them. Well, not every problem get fixed by a screw and some tape. That's the, that's the most hurtful thing you could ever say to me. <laughs> Even folk up Mountain Way come all the way around the Black Peak just to see you when things go wrong. Now, a smith's good for a lot of things. He can definitely put things back together if he needs to. He can build you something new. But when something breaks that weren't built around here and the men here don't have the technique for, you're the men they come to. Whether it's a wound crossbow or an old well system, you know your business. But lately, things have been breaking down more often. Things that never should break down. Old dwarven technology, things that have run for thousands of years, suddenly falling apart. Cracks, damage, worn teeth. You do your best to try and replace them, but it's almost like, well, you see a man or two with an organ replacement or some kind of surgery that their body rejects. And it's almost like the old machinery is rejecting the new. Hmm. So we've got a problem that could use some fixing. I'm your guy. Uh, I could use a small win. Let's bring your tools. His well's broke. Always got my tools with me. Well, glad to see you out in the sunlight, T.W. You might smell like a dog's ass, but you're one of the smartest men I ever met. Probably good to have you on our side. In case this gets complicated. Problems can't get fixed with a dagger. As you say that, a chisel-tipped dagger is already headed halfway into his mouth, just chewing on it with his fangs. <laughs> Fuck a toothpick. <laughs> <laughs> Chisel him out. Hale, can you stop by the farmhouse on the way back and let the wife know I probably won't be home till late? Maybe not tall? Can do. Uh, you need anything for um, the boy? No, Pascal's just fine. Now mind your business. I meant, uh... I know what you meant. Now you get on. 
Ah. Sorry, Trip. Next time a drunk with a crossbow causes trouble, talk him down instead of coming out and getting me. I don't have a crossbow. Oh, someone else. <laughs> I'm on ex-sheriff. You know, they don't listen to me. I'm done breaking up bar fights. All right. Do what I can. Damn better. Getting paid to. Well, bitter patter. Skedatter. <laughs> you load up your horses with whatever you think you might need. The Forster Farm is a good distance down the way, but they've always had good horses that'd be able to carry them to and fro, including a couple donkeys and a decent cart. But for this walk, the horses are best not to be ridden. For some reason, larger rocks have been rising up out of the ground more often than not of late, and with the occasional shake, it's getting worse and worse. To avoid breaking an ankle, horses have to be walked behind you. What do you make all these stone burrs, Bruder? Well, seems to me that old Dirt Mama's here got a case of indigestion, and she's coughing them up like she can't hold it. I, uh, my people come scrambling out the dirt long, long time ago, and uh, hadn't thought much about it since then. Rocks is a big pain in the ass, though. You're telling me I'm sick of eating horse stew from a throat-slit mare that done tripped up. I thought you were going to say you were eating rocks, and damn, I'd believe it. <laughs> How's farm been? It ain't been. Yeah, that's what I hear. Still's been chugging along, but it's hard to make the mash without, uh, you know, anything coming in. You, uh, you wouldn't have to broaden that with you on this fine day, would you now? Now, Trip, who do you think I am? Larder's been a little bare for the brown bottles back home, and uh, I wouldn't mind quenching my thirst before work's to be done. You like the taste of clay? It ain't the taste that I'm after. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm going to bust out my flask isn't doing it justice. My large round clay jug I keep in my back at all times. Pop the cork out the top, hand it over. Just a swig. Uh, three heavy glugs and it's returned to you. <laughs> Thank you kindly, Bruder. Best we can do with what we got. T-dubs? You know I never touch the stuff. Oh, that's fair, but it's polite to offer. I do appreciate the invitation every time. Of course. I imagine that concoction would burn your mouth scars like a hearthstone. Or clean them. <laughs> but Tallwater is going to take out a small, um, what would that be? Horse. A horse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a pocket horse. <laughs> <laughs> Tallwater is going to take out a small wooden container from his pocket, scoop out an herbal paste with his fingertip, and then brush his gums with it. Bruder is going to drink his portion, and also Tallwater's portion. <laughs> Can't let the good brew go to waste. It's going to be a good walk. Oh, <laughs> a good burn. Corking the family flask, I'm going to throw it back in my backpack and kick some rocks down the fucking way. So they're a trip. Farm ain't good. How's the home? How's the son? Come again now? How's the kiddo? The boy? The boy. I'm going to step up. Stopping in his tracks, letting go of the horse reins. He gets up in your face and grabs the front of your collar. You best watch what comes next out of that fly catcher. You're fitting to get flayed. Now, I don't know what kind of yellow Nancy beguiled Rebecca while I was fighting, but... <laughs> 
There's more of me in that spit than in that boy. You worry not about no son of mine. Pascal's just fine. He lets go. Lights up a quirly and leads ahead of the group. The poplars thicken as you enter the grove that separates Forstner Farm from the rest of the town. As you enter, the smell changes. What starts as a dewy autumn decay slowly shifts into something almost swampy, like some of the black oil dug out of the ground in the cities. And underneath it, there's something else, something rotten, something animal. But you have a hard time placing a finger on it. The Forster Farm comes up as you crest a ridge. It's a nice place, not necessarily fancy by city folk standards, but folk around here, they're impressed with the Forstners. The young girl, choring early in the morning, then making her way to the Rhapsody at night to tend to the inn and to the drunks. And believe me, there's plenty. But she is nowhere to be seen. Despite the early hour, she's not working the fields. She's not doing hay. She ain't picking stones. Instead, only an empty field. Filled with rotten turnips, withered wheat, and the unmistakable smell of death. Hell's fire, I thought my fields were turned up. Someone's been busy indoors a whole lot. Not much time for nature here. This place is starting to look like... Well, I suppose we don't have to go there right now. I'm going to kneel down and pull a tuber out of the earth and smush it in my fingers. Even an unkept field don't rot this fast. Something nasty is below earth. Ain't it supposed to be paste? I always mash them up anyway on account of my great big canyons here. (laughs) Smile showing the huge spaces between my teeth. Nope. This here's decay. What say we go to the farmhouse and see if anyone's sleeping the day away? Can't be any worse than standing out here. On that note, you realize with almost surprise that none of you are currently nursing a arrow in your chest or arm or your leg. Forstner's known not to tolerate unexpected visitors. He's not a fan of trespassers. If you want to see him, he'll see you. As we approach the farmhouse and hitch up the horses nearby, shout out. Hey, Forstner, you roundabouts? It's Trip. Bruder winces, expecting a violent retribution. Almost in response, you hear a kind of terrified bark coming from the nearby barn. There ain't no dog I ever heard before. They got hands here? I'm going to kind of like silently gesture for you two to get behind me, and then I'll start heading towards the barn, and then I'll put my hand on my knife, kind of nodding to both of you. I'm heading to the barn now, Forstner. You just stay calm. And I'll reach out and grab the latch and see if the door opens. You hear whimpering and scratching at the door. At first, you might have worried that it might be something dangerous, but it definitely sounds like a dog. God damn, this is a dog. Poor thing must be fucked up. Try to slide the door open. You open the door, and as soon as you do, a yellow shape just blasts past you with its tail between its legs. And the smell that hits you is overwhelming. It smells of burned hair, rotten meat, and blood. (laughs) <laughs> what in the black hells is that mess? Yeah, who that dog's been eating something. Is there any lights on in the barn? None at all, but the sunlight, which seems unusually bright today, is still casting just enough light into the actual barn proper that you can see at the edge of vision a nasty mess of gore and rot. The horses that he is known for taking extremely good care of seem to have their throats slit 
their bellies opened, and their entrails spread around. You, uh, you think the dog did it? No, I do not. I'm going to step in, cover my mouth with a handkerchief, and kneel down, see if there's any human parts amongst all this equine refuse. Uh, go ahead and give me a constitution saving throw. Uh, con- we need dice? What are dice? Oh, no way. What are dice? And that's how we roll our con crit. Oh, wow. In an almost reflexive instinct from your time as a sheriff, you pull the rag away and take a hard, deep breath of the miasma pouring out of the space. And while you gag briefly, after that moment, the smell is settled and you're able to move on. I'm going to up to my ankle. Up to my wrists, I'm going to dig through some of this refuse to see if there's any human parts. As you start to reach into it, you do notice that there is some kind of blackening around the edges of the wounds. Not unlike a fruit whose skin has been cut. Almost like it's spreading across the flesh. A brief route around and you can't see anything that suggests the person has been here at all. Well, can't tell if it was a mercy that killed these horses from the sickness inside them or some kind of necrotic wrongness that's gripping their flesh. You, uh, you think they've been eating them bad taters? Could be. Wouldn't cause a blackness like this, though. Hmm. Can I be straight with you, Trip? I prefer you do. I'm impressed. You rooting around elbow deep in horse gut? I thought I had an iron stomach. I seen worse. Don't know if there is much worse than this. Can I investigate whether or not the dog ate any of this viscera? Or if it was... It was purposefully untouched. Go ahead and give me a survival check. That is, oh my God. Oh my God. This is. That's a roly poly right there. That friend needs a uh, dice box. (laughs) That's an eight. An eight? Okay. You can't tell immediately. And with a little looking around, the only thing you notice is that there are no dog prints within six feet of the mess. Whatever done in. These horses, that dog didn't want no part of it. Almost at the mention of it, you can hear the dog whining, almost like it's crying, yowling, trying to get your attention. I don't want no part of it either. Any y'all speak dog? I understand beasts here and there. I'll go out and try to follow the dog's clues and, uh, if helpful, roll an animal handling to interpret what this canine is trying to communicate. It seems extremely hesitant, and so you're going to have to try and use a little bit of coaxing to get it where it's going. Total of 20. Woo! Man, trip rolls way better. <laughs> I was going to offer you goddamn right. help action, but, like, look at you go. So it takes a, a brief moment of getting down on its level, giving it a little bit of affection, and letting it know that everything's okay. It's a tough love. Mm-hmm. Now listen here, varmint. Got a whole mess on our hands. What's going on, boy? Show me. Now that you're getting a closer look at him, you get an idea of the breed. He's a husky, but he seems to be almost albino. His fur is kind of a yellow-white, and his eyes are uh, pink-red. It barks an affirmative, and then starts running towards the poplar grove from which you came. Hmm. We might have missed something on our ride in. Well, let's follow the dog. I don't think Forstner's here. Seems a loathsome place, and... Truth be told, I followed dogs to worse. Just makes me wonder if it was Forstner that killed the horses or some outside force. Some outside Forstner? No, sir. Oh, okay. 
That is not a pun that I made. (laughs) (laughs) You enter into the poplar grove. The thick carpet of wet, dank leaves rises up past your ankles, almost to your shins. And yet there seems to be no shortage of fall. As you continue in, the ground seems to sink and get damp and heavy, almost sludge-like. You've seen swamp before, and there should be no swamp here. And yet you're surrounded by it. The dog, however, seems to stop moving short of where he wants you to go and instead adopts a pointing position. Follow the nose. It doesn't take much to realize what he's pointing towards. Hanging from a lone poplar, one of the few which still seems heavy with bright, crisp green leaves, is a woman. Hanging upside down is Maudette Forstner from the only poplar in the grove completely untouched by autumn. Her eyes are white with decay. Her honey-brown hair hangs in tattered sheets, reaching for the earth. A trickle of black sludge issues from the corners of her mouth, and she is smiling, the warm, oblivious grin of a woman lost in love. Now you get some rest, little toad. No more croaking. <laughs> Let me in there. No, he resting. Don't sound like resting. Sounds like playing. I want to play too. Come on now, Pascal. He's in a bad way. He don't need you hurting on him. Gets enough of that from Pa. I weren't going to hurt on him. And why don't I believe that? Suppose I heard on you some. Well, you do that and I won't be able to make supper tonight. Where's Ma? It's past noon. Where do you think she is? Passed out. You ever tried it? Medicine she gets from a green man? A little. Once. Made my head feel funny. Not like Pa's whiskey, neither. I didn't like it. Hmm. You done with your charring? I reckon. Fixing to head down to the creek. Rustle up some fun. You leave them toads alone now. They ain't good for eating. Might as well be good for hurting. As you will. Sides, better I hurt them toads than your little toad, right? You get on now. I'll ring the bell when supper's ready. Can't watch after him forever, girl. Sooner or later, something will see to him. Or someone. to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday. So make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey there, I'm Dana Ebert. 
TTRPG author and game designer, and most recently, the co-founder and creative director of TPK Brewing Co. We're a majority queer, women-of-color-owned craft brewery coming to Portland, Oregon in 2023. What you'll find when you visit is an ale for every tale, and a staff of full-time professional game masters, ready to guide you on adventures in our original post-cataclysmic setting of Valruvina. You can learn more at tpkbrewing.com and support our crowdfunder campaign to help launch a standalone prequel adventure titled The Blooms That Feed on Fire. It's only here for Questember, so make sure to check it out before the end of the month. Here's a sneak peek. Oh, they were always afraid of me, you know. Even before they called me Ashbringer, they sent armies to try and stop me. And then they sent assassins. And now they've sent you, heroes. <laughs> Which of your ideals are you willing to die for? Because if the fire of your convictions burns weakly, then the fires of mine will consume you like everything else. Now ready yourselves. This is for the fate of Valruvina. Hail, you cuties. Did you know the capital of Spain is Midroll? That's a lie. Happy winter times to all of our wonderful fans and listeners. If you celebrate Thanksgiving, whatever meaning you choose to milk from that unusual holiday, we hope it's full of warmth, love, and food. This year, I'm thankful for the fans. Pretty sure I was thankful for them last year, and just a hunch, next year may be the same. So pat yourselves on the back. But there's more promising rewards out there than a simple self-administered trapezius high-five, like the Patreon. Tons and tons of wonderful D&D content. Probably enough to fill a whole book, but we don't make books. We play D&D and tell stories. Now you can use the tools we build to do that in your home games. The top tiers are amazing on our Patreon as well, with rewards like making characters to join the show's meta or getting named with your mid-roll team. The current legendary mid-roll teams are the Twilight Concord, the Ceaseless Horde, and this week's featured team, the Titans Rise, with Christopher Mashburn, Meat Dad, and John Reinhardt. You can also help by leaving a review or giving us a shout-out on social media where we love to interact and share fan art. To get a personal message read on the show or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Follow us at twitch.tv forward slash slapdash streams for all kinds of fun streaming throughout the week. Me and Zach are working really hard to get back on our Pokemon grind, and we hope you're excited about that. Our temporary mailing address while waiting for a new P.O. Box is 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon, 97214, if there's anything you're dying to send us. But that's enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Whipnog! Whipnog! We have a problem at home! I seek your guidance. Speak, Sladwig. It's the younglings. They hunger. We ain't fed them nothing proper in days. Why? We ain't got nothing. Just a few spoiled taters, some maggoty old bread, and some quinoa. Blech. Here. <clears throat> What's this, then? The answer you seek lies inside. Take blade in hand and sunder the top and pour out the treasure within. It's dinner in a can with Chief Boy Hardees. Oh boy, Chief Boy Hardees. 
with many great recipes to choose from, like spaghetti orcs. Now those are wings of power. Man flesheroni. Smells good. And spaghetti with man balls. I won't need those. Now go and feed the small ones with Chief Boy Hardee's. Looks like food's back on the menu. Hooray! Uh, what's a menu? The body of Maudette Forstner is hung from her feet by the lowest branch on a poplar tree with a smile on her face, enigmatic and warm. Trip takes his hat off and puts it over his chest. Gods be good. Bruder reaches into his bag, opens up his flask and pours a little bit out into the bog and says, hope you found your way back to the dirt. Bruder, you head back to that farm and you get us a couple shovels. DW, you help me string this lady down. We got a hole to dig. Go ahead and give me a strength check. Uh, I'll say athletics. Or alternatively, you can use sleight of hand to determine how ceremoniously you remove the body from the tree. I'll roll in athletics. It's one of my few trained skills. 19. Fucking trip is on wow. his shit. Wow. All right. Uh, and then both of you go ahead and give me a uh, perception check. That is not my shit. Fucking 20. <laughs> Law. Law. This is the boy. Jesus. How? 12. Nice. <laughs> A respectable and reasonable role. As you're taking the body down, your trained eyes lock on to what look like symbols carved into the poplar. It's a difficult choice whether you want to pay more attention to the body or more attention to what was carved there. Is it a language I read or is it just like iconography? Are you going to do tree first? I'll ask Tallwater to hold the body for a moment while I look at the markings on the tree in case it's some kind of warning. Go ahead and give me an arcana or nature check. Boy, howdy, am I not a schmarty. <laughs> well, let's see how this big fat d20 keep rolling. Okay. All right, uh, 11. Uh, yep, that is an, oh no, I have a plus one intelligence, it's 12. Nice. You could not make heads or tails of what you're looking at, but the only thing you do know is you recognize it. This is definitely the language of the forest folk. Ain't seen this in a long time. What are you reading over there? Something carved into the bark here. Looks like a, well, let's just say a real old tongue. Nothing I can read or decipher, but I recognize the lines. Those carvings fresh? And fresh as this corpse. Go ahead and give me a, I think either it would be a survival or a knowledge dungeoneering to learn something about the ropes you're looking at. That is a 10. Mm. Mighty fine knots. Mighty fine. Not finer than my sharp knife. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I pull out my oversized knife, get ready to cut it down and glance at the knots. 19. Fucking God. Law drank his fucking main character juice. <laughs> what you are looking at is called a lot of things in a lot of places, but here where most of the income comes from the sawmill, this is a saw hitch. You know, it's specifically designed to hold some of the equipment at the sawmill in place and allow just the right amount of slippage. It is not the appropriate knot for the situation. You might be looking at the work of some local boys. This here's a worker's knot. Wouldn't be the smartest idea to just 
leave her here. No, we'll we'll put her in the earth. No, I mean, whoever decided to just leave her here. Leaving writing. We'll figure it out. Both of you could roll me a medicine check. Oh, boy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I'm having you do all these skill checks to burn yeah. through all of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it ain't stopping. <laughs> uh, how'd you get? 17. Nice. 19. So, both of you notice different things. Tallwater, being a man of particular skills, specifically related to physics, you notice a few things. Based on the damage to her wrists, based on the blood pooling and the overall shape and directionality of the fluids in her body, you'd guess she's probably been hanging here for somewhere around an entire week. And yet, from what you can tell, there's no nibbling at her fingers, there's no insect bites, and there's not a single maggot or any other kind of larval form anywhere on her. Right. I'm starting to think that, much like those horses, anything with its mind screwed in right, don't want no part of this. I'm having those same feelings. I think we dig this hole, we bury her, and just leave it at that. You have a different set of skills. Physics has never been your strong suit, and you're not exactly a forensic specialist, but you do know what it looks like to kill a person. The first thing you notice is that she doesn't have any strangulation marks. There's nothing that suggests that she was cut in any way, but you do notice a small amount of blood on her chest. Removing the shirt, you see that a stone has been pressed through her breastplate into her heart. This was not done through surgical means. It was done by pure force. The ribs are cracked and damaged. The bruising is extreme. And while there is some blood... The stones seem to hold it inside of her, for the most part, leading to very little mess. And whatever happened, you don't see any sign of struggle. There's no defensive wounds. This was either done while she was asleep, after she had died, or she let it happen. Someone must have been mighty strong to get this rock in her chest. This ain't right. After she's in the earth and covered in soil, we'll check the farmhouse. And then we'll move on. Starting to pick up some hints. Getting some ideas. Bruder. Yo. You hustle back to the farm. The first thing you do is go right to the tool shed, because that's where the tools are, right? When you go to the tool shed, you see a lock. But the lock is rusted heavily. Not just the rust of a few days, weeks, months, but years, possibly decades. So rusted, in fact, that when you reach out and touch it, you feel like you could just break it off. In one swift motion, Bruder is going to try to grab the lock, pull it off its little brace there, and just throw it behind his shoulder. Nice. Just woo. Uh, give me a quick strength check on that. Woo. Not bad, not bad. Athletics, obviously. Uh, that's going to be a 15 total. Nice. It takes a moment of struggle, but it snaps at its weakest point. You toss it behind you. And... You notice that the hinges also kind of come a little bit when you pull on it. They're also heavily rusted. Now, who leaves a perfectly fine shed just like this? Forgotten? Abandoned? I think the horses did this. (laughs) I'm going to open the door uh, and kind of like step out of the way in case it falls on its own. Uh, You pull the door and the top hinge on the right door just kind of cracks a little bit and then it just falls 
leaving an obvious slant. Now simmer, y'all. <laughs> you finish pulling the door open, light casts inside, and you see tools. Ancient tools. Old, rotten, dead. I'm going to take off my backpack, go through it, and pull out my little gardening trowel. Say, oh, this might be enough. The thing you notice most is that the rust and rot is uniform. None of this is inconsistent. It's not as though some of it was used more than others, tended more than others. Everything is rotten. Everything is about the same age. And I asked Trip, maybe Forstner is just a bad fucking farmer. <laughs> well, these are useless. I'm going to look at, like, the main house. Mm -hmm. Think for a second. What if they kept the good stuff in there? The good show. <laughs> T-dubs, the sheriff will be so damn proud of me if I come back with a good shovel. Yahoo! I'm going to skip and run toward the big farmhouse. As you take in the house, uh, there's a couple things you do notice. One, there's a considerable amount of wood rot on the uh, eastern side, the side you're coming from. And then on the other side, the western side, you see a considerable amount of carpenter ant damage. Oh, they lived in a shithole, too. The front door is open. Just slightly ajar. I'm going to take out my stirring stick, my club, <laughs> and knock on the door a little bit. Ask call. As you knock, it kind of swings open a little. The smell that comes out is unmistakably rotten food. A lot of it, vegetable matter, but you know yourself some rotten veggies. There is also a noticeable smell of alcohol in the space. Strong alcohol. Gotta take the bad with the good. Good thing I'm not here for dinner. <laughs> I'm going to walk in. Uh, Forstner? Anybody? Somewhere inside, you hear a rustling motion. I'm going to pivot toward wherever that is and hold my stirring stick up defensively. Now, now you just go and show yourself. The space you're looking in on is largely a kitchen and dining room area. Towards the back of this large central room is a hearth and a small sitting space. There are doors to either side of the hearth. The sounds seem to come from the door on the right. I'm going to walk very carefully toward that door and tap on it with my stick. There is a sudden loud rustling. Ah. The door is slightly open, but not so much that you can see inside. I'm going to try to push it open a little bit more as far at arm's length as I can. Hope you're decent. <laughs> as soon as the door is more than about four inches open, you hear a sudden surge of rustling sounds, screeching, and what looks like dozens, possibly hundreds of shapes go running right past you, crawling all over your legs and feet. Shit in my beard! You've seen rats. You've never seen this many rats in so small a space. I'm going to start screaming, Get off, you little bastards! Hey! Give me a perception check, the two of you. Uh, Twelve. Ten. Awesome. You faintly hear what sounds like shouting. Very faintly. We might have to come back to this business very briefly. Tallwater is going to grab a brown sheet of cloth and drape it over Maudette's body and leave behind a few tools to weigh down the sheet from the wind. We should go help whoever's still alive. On the double. And race back to the farmhouse. In the intervening minute and a half that it's going to take them to get to you, what do you do? Squeaky little cheese fuck, get off my legs! 
You about to stomp some rat wine? That's, that is the <laughs> exact goal right here. Stirring stick in hand and tough dwarven feet. I'm going to try to swing and stomp away at these rats. To I'm not necessarily trying to hurt them. I'm just trying to get them to, like, go away. Fair enough. First, I want you to give me a wisdom saving throw. You got it. Never wanted a natural one more in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see what these brain rats do to your psyche. Twelve. Excellent. You barely managed to keep yourself in order as hundreds and hundreds of ravenous rats come pouring all over your legs and body. You are not struck with the frightened condition. Oh, thank God. You are also capable of dealing them harm without hurting yourself. Perfect. So uh, feel free to give me some, give me, give me an attack roll. It's just a general attack and see how many of these rats you usher along their way with extreme prejudice. All right. (laughs) To the afterlife. That's a crit. Nice. That's a fucking crit right there. Hell Thanks, yeah. Law. You managed to knock off all of the rats that are actually on your body without doing them any meaningful harm. Dodge definitely out of the way of their flow because they don't seem terribly concerned with you. And after a quick knock on the door and a little bit of hustling around, you're able to get them out of the house for the most part. You still hear some rustling around, but you imagine it's very few. That is the finest varmint ham boning I've ever done in my Absolutely. entire life. Mmm. The two of you come to the door to find hundreds of rats pouring out. One the good goddamn. <laughs> Brute, are you in there? They didn't pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm alive. I'm all right. Uh, this house is done fucked, though. <laughs> <laughs> now that you see the space he was standing in, you realize just how accurate he is. The smell of rot is overwhelming. And you see that most of the upholstery cloth, it's all moth-eaten, worn, and tattered, falling apart to the point where if you touched it, you imagine it would disintegrate. This ain't a week's worth of damage. No, it ain't. Ugh, all the tools in the shed and the shed itself were the same damn way. I was about to ask why you went to the kitchen to find shovels. Well, <laughs> if you really think about it, what is a spoon but a food shovel? <laughs> I'm going to kind of like while I'm talking to these two be lifting things up and looking at how decayed they are. And then I open one of the cabinets and look at the very top shelf where I know Forstner kept his bottles. You see absolutely no bottles in that cabinet. What you do see, however, is bottles on the ground. It looks like they've been opened and emptied all over the floor. Slam the door. God damn it, Forstner. What happened? Well, it's a deranged act of desperation to pour all your booze out on your kitchen floor. Either he was fixing to light this place up or he's trying to quit the hard way. Sacrilege. He was trying to light this place up. I fully agree with that decision. This, the barn, all should be burned down. Go ahead and give me a perception check there. Birder. 13. Nice. Since you're still standing in the doorway where the rats came through and because you opened it enough for them to get out, you do see and smell what looks like a corpse though there's not much left of it. The odor you're catching right now is not that of rotten meat, but instead the decay of calcium. Not unlike a rotten tooth, there's a skeleton in the bed. Uh, boys, I I think I got something. What are we looking at here? Oh my God. The bedroom itself is in disarray, though no more than you would imagine just a lazy person might have it. But what is of particular note is the symbol on the wall is exactly the same as the symbol that was behind the young woman's heart. More disturbing, however, is the fact that across every single bone, 
has been gnawed, similar symbols, as though by the teeth of rats. I'm going to run my finger along the rib bones. Been picked clean. Well, boys, this farm ain't what it seems. I think it's time we went to see the green man. Mama? Mama, I fixed some stew for supper. Had to use the last of the taters. Ugh. Ain't seen Pascal nor Paul. Figure they got to hunting, maybe. I heard a ruckus up the way. Might be what's got them busy. Mm. Ugh. Ugh. Shut that girl. Mama's nursing a migraine. That's me my medicine. I don't figure that's such a good idea, Mama. You back-talking me? No, Mama. Just been wondering. Maybe it's the medicine giving you the migraines. Same as the whiskey gives Paul the shakes. How'd you get to be so smart? Weren't from your Pa. Certainly not from me, neither. I don't know, Mama. I've been reading The Little Toad. Whatever I could find, really. He really likes it. Suppose I do, too. Been learning about the big city some. Cascade up on the blue bluffs. Orange wildflowers growing all along the barrows below. Like rivers of sunlight. I wonder sometimes if we could go there. Take little Toad. Let him hop along the cobbles of Clay Street to the big chapel. They might could fix you up proper. And maybe... Maybe we leave Pascal and Papa here. Good night. I hope good Mama wakes up tomorrow. Bad Mama's been running a spell. I'm very excited. Woo. I'm sorry you weren't involved. Uh, no, no, it's it's good. It gave me time to to prep myself a little bit. Also, oh, yeah. Dana's here. You boys did a fantastic job of of filling this content so beautifully. Like oh, your characters you. are so alive and interesting. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. God, I want to crack open tall water and get to know what's going on in there. Me oh, too. Yeah. I want to drink that coconut milk. I'm just here to eat lunch and take a nap. I want a, <laughs> I want a tall glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> Hope you don't mind the TW. It just seems right. TW yeah. was great. Oh, I, I like the nickname. I'm enjoying the folksy nicknames a lot. Yeah, I'm honestly really liking this. This like game. I kind of want to keep running this game. <laughs> we're, we're still we're still in the outro, by the way. This yeah. is, this is <laughs> and if it comes up. Trip's name is Wayland, and you pro- both probably know that. Oh, that's fine. But folks around here call him Trip. So I wanted to let everybody know you might notice that this episode is a little on the shorter side. This is deliberate. So you might remember that early on in the League of Ultimate Questing, we had episodes that typically range between 45 minutes to a maximum of an hour. And lately, you've been seeing episodes in about an hour and 25 minute range. And that meant we were usually recording for about an hour and a half to like full on two and a half hours for some of these bastards. And frankly, 
I feel bad for Sam. And he said, like, hey, can we try to get these bad boys back in check? And that's exactly what we're doing here. So get ready to see episodes that are sub one hour again. Yeah. I'm sorry that means less content, but I hope you understand it is for all of our sanity so that we're getting out of here not at eight o'clock at night and uh, <laughs> that Sam isn't busting his ass. Yes, I imagine unless it's incredibly important to the story, we're going to try to tighten up our episodes more. Yeah. I have appreciated that just solid 25 uninterrupted minute blocks of pure wuxia, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving the people what they fucking want. Just give them the one man wuxia. I get it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess we can go around the table with some favorite moments. Ooh, I want to say the description right before the mid-roll, just finding Maudette. Oh, yeah. That, that was, that took me to a place. <laughs> that took me to a place. Right, you're waiting for like the, the full horror aspect to either kick all the way on or be like, is it just kind of messed up? It's like, oh, no, it's fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Horses is one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all seen a couple dead horses. Just Who a, hasn't? Yeah, just a little kitty pool of horse organs and yeah. a dead horse blood. in every yeah. barn. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, thoroughly enjoying everybody's voice work yeah. so far. Just the 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 sounds coming out of your your sweet luscious <laughs> lips are top fucking notch right now. Yeah, no, I for, thoroughly agree. This is letting me awaken a lot of. Sleeping late in Montana energy. Because <laughs> there, there's a lot of people that I grew up around that genuinely just talk like this. Like the old boys Perfect. from the ranches. I can dig it. We're rustling the billings right out of you. I, I have zero experience <laughs> with talking to anybody in this accent. That's fair. You're doing great. You're doing uh, actually like, really I don't think I've really ever spoken to somebody like... Oh, this is all outside my wheelhouse. Right? Yeah, okay. I'll take you to the wrong side of fucking skyline and we'll meet some hill people. Honestly, well, yeah, the hill like, people in the Philippines are, uh, speak a little differently. Okay? That's, <laughs> that's fair. I will be honest. Like, there's a surprising amount of hillbilly in, in Oregon. Yeah. And, like, you just go any distance outside of, of Portland and you're just going to be surrounded by people who talk almost exactly like this. You don't yeah. even need to fucking leave Portland. Yeah, fair, fair. Do, do they call the Philippine hillbillies fillbillies? I, they do not. Hillipinos. Hillipinos. That's not oh, bad. That's just a spicy pepper. The chocolate hillbillies. <laughs> oh, boy. They're the people of the earth. Yeah. They do amazing stuff. Sweet, luscious earth people. Absolutely. Any um, favorite moments, Dana? Yeah, my, my favorite moment was seeing Max just react to the idea of being covered in rats. <laughs> he definitely and, did some body acting for like that. The, the, the lines on that one, I don't even remember them, but like... You know, oh, thank you. Cheese oh, smelling yeah. bastard or whatever. <laughs> when you said make some like rat wine, like stomp yes, some rat wine. Stomp and some rat oh, yeah. All that I, one was visceral. All, yeah, yeah. All I had in my head was the uh, that viral clip of somebody, you know, pr- stomping on the grapes and yeah. they fall off. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted that to happen. Just bare feet. Yeah. Yes. Like between your toes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, Feel the good rat squish. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get that sweet, luscious red. <laughs> the rats are as squishy as the tubers. <laughs> <laughs> Good vintage. Oh, but yeah, my favorite moment was getting to channel Montana energy. I think. No, but it's not uh, just the. Uh, it's just a good. It feels good setting. Yeah, uh, Western horror. Peasant shit. I love it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be real with you. Uh, my favorite moment is getting to run something that isn't high. That doesn't feel like high fantasy and isn't like drowning in 
in the saccharine tones that are so common in luck. Like I'm, I'm really enjoying your guys's like edgier play. Like, I don't mean edgy, like edgy, no, totally. but just there's teeth to this. It's real. Like, we're not like casting spells. Like, it's not like, Oh, I'll speak with dead. There you go. Yeah. Bruder doesn't have a whole lot of teeth <laughs> there, but no law in particular, I'm, I'm loving the Montana energy energy you're bringing. And I'm really pleased to see you playing somebody who isn't inherently lovable. That's very good for me. Yeah, he's going to keep being kind of bossy because he's just used to being in charge. Perfect. And if you call him out on that, it'll be good steam. The the best thing about this chapter is that I don't need any of you to stay alive. Uh, <laughs> at, at no point at no point is there any need for me to be cautious. And so I can put you in some real rough spots and I don't have to worry about how you guys feel about being in the center of attention. <laughs> so it's like I can just focus on as much of you as I want or as little as you as I want because this is a self-contained experience. Oh, and I'm super grateful that I've cultivated such a, a energy and reputation of being non-confrontational and just like a nice dude that I can role play a piece of shit and you understand it's me playing a character. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what I want or how I feel. I'm very pleased to see people stretching out their, uh, their role-playing legs. This is, this is very nice. Though I will say, there's a te- there's a there's a feeling that there's a little just a touch of Wuxia nestled into Bruder. Oh, you mean I'm playing one grimy no, no. bastard and then another grimy I think bastard? They, they think they both just have very big Max energy. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, Max, like Anthony Hopkins, plays exactly one character, and that's Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> what up? And and don't don't misconstrue me there. Max plays Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> uh, I mean. I mean, I do a little of my own thing too. I think you'll you'll all be very pleased by how adorable and cute. This character is absolutely totally precious. I believe you. (laughs) Thank you guys again so much. Uh, We actually do have a map uh, for this episode or not this episode, but this chapter. Bree is literally drawing the map right now as we speak. Wow. So, yeah, that's going to be good. I want to thank Hedegar the editor for editing this episode. Hopefully this hour and four minute final runtime is more tolerable to you. So uh, if there's nothing else. I want to thank you all for coming. I want to thank you again for your patience. And we wish y'all luck. <laughs> <laughs>